Welcome back to Legendary Mindset. I'm your host, Jake Richardson. And this week's episode is quite a bit different. Uh, we're going to kind of reflect on, I guess, you know, what I would call the first quarter of what we've done so far, uh, including bonus episodes. We have 15 episodes, and this is kind of our first go at it, our practice run and, and you know, trial and error, just trying to get things better. Um, after this episode, things are going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to might have some sponsors um, popping up through here. Uh, we're going to have a little bit clearer mic system um, that we're still working on. And uh, things are just probably going to be a little bit smoother, hopefully on my end, and, and it'll be easier to listen to. Uh, we're going to just try and be more consistent about the stuff we're putting out. Um, and we're also, you know, at this point, all we've done is interviews uh, with, with a certain kind of, you know, producer uh people that kind of built the industry, uh, those guys that are very, you know, revolutionary, the first of their kind, and and definitely we've done it with the most successful people uh, we can find. There's still more like that I'm going to interview, um, but we're going to kind of expand our horizons a little bit, not be so specific to uh, just those producers. We're going to get some feeders in here. Uh, we're going to get a few of those younger guys as well. I want to I wanna have some younger guys on. I want to open up the discussion a little bit more and probably get a little bit more of that verbiage uh, coming your guys' way, but today's episode, um, we're going to call it the best of the first 15 episodes, and I drove up through Arkansas and into Missouri this past weekend, and I listened to every single episode over again, and I took some notes, and I, I rewinded a bunch of them over again, and I picked out just little clips, uh, my favorite parts of everyone's episode. And uh, just parts that I thought maybe got the most emotional or the deepest or the, or the ones where they just kind of dropped the most knowledge and um, just kind of maybe the most exciting parts. Not the same thing in every episode, but, um, but definitely parts that, you know, captivate your attention and I think are really important to hear. Uh, I hope, you know, while you're listening to this, I hope some of you are like, wait, no, there's, there's a better part to that episode. Um, and, and maybe just, you know, shout that out to me on social media and, and, or message me and, and stuff like that. But you know, I think there's a lot to take out of every single one of these, and you know, I think it's just exciting to kind of go back through. I think, uh, you know, I've had some people tell me like, "Hey, I didn't listen to that one just once." You know, I listened to that episode like four or five times. So I had some of those people on Normans, uh, people just you know kind of ate up Normans. I thought that 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 content was just um, out of this world different. I think, um, you know, we're gonna hear. Um, you know, from Joe Raffs, we're going to, I mean, just every single one of them, uh, Joe's, Jamie's, um, some of the more exciting ones, I think, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, most people had a different one that they thought was their favorite, which was probably one of my favorite parts. Um, you know, early on I had a favorite episode that was, you know, easy to identify, but I think every single time it got harder. I think Dwayne Herleman's kind of made me step back and, and take a look at what I'm trying to do with the flock that I'm making. And just really question, um, you know, a lot of stuff and, and, you know, kind of puts a lot of different ideas that I hadn't thought about into perspective on just breeding. Uh, and I think this podcast, you know, I think a lot of people are learning from it, but, you know, me personally, I am learning a ton. I think this is going to help me for the rest of my life. You know, I'm, I'm taking a little bit from here and there and, and watching what these guys have done. And I think that's the best way to improve, you know, your your mind in terms of, you know, trying to accomplish stuff in the, in the sheep and goat, you know, show industry, I think learning from these guys and what they've done and, and, the, and the knowledge that they drop is uh, really, really valuable. And what you do with that information and how you kind of put that into your life is, is even more valuable. Um, how much you're willing to learn and how much you're willing to, you know, take and, and what you do kind of leave at the table from this. Um, 
I definitely want to open up more discussions and, and more conversations um, in the future through this podcast, and, and we're excited to bring you some of that content as well. Um, we're going to be more interactive on social media with uh, our listeners. We're going to get more uh, questions, suggestions. We're going to open a lot of that up to the public. Um, and you know, it's just going to be a little bit different, but uh, I'm excited for the future, and I just want to say a huge thank you uh, to all of our listeners. Uh, it uh, just means a lot to me that people enjoy it. Um, you know, cause you know, at the end of the day, I, when I first started, I was like, you know, I really don't care, you know, how many people listen to it, you know, as long as, you know, the content we put out is, you know, is the kind of stuff that I like and, and, uh, you know, answers a lot of the questions that have been floating around my head. But, uh, just the fact that a lot of people enjoy it and seem to, you know, like the style of interviewing that we do and, and how we put it all together, uh, just means the world to me. Um, especially, you know, guys don't feel free to reach out message me on Facebook, shoot me a text or, you know, anything. If you, if you have a special episode, that's your favorite or or a moment you liked, or even if you guys are listening to an episode for the first time, you know, uh, just just let me know and, and let me know if you like it, because uh, because you know that really does feel special. You may not think so, but you know I love to hear back um, on which ones are your favorite or which parts you like, or even if um, you have any suggestions, maybe some keep the negative ones yourself. But uh, yeah, uh, here is the best of our first fifteen. I think it's just uh, watching them learn how to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not one of these that advocates that everybody ought to get a prize and everybody gets a button or a ribbon just because they showed up. I mean, I think you ought to have to earn that. And uh, then once you've learned how to play the game, then it, then can you win? Can you get over that last hurdle and be the big dog? Mm-hmm. And so I've always put a bigger emphasis on females, probably more so than males. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as I got into the border collie business, I noticed that they always mention the male. What's that one out of? It's always the male. I had a female border collie named Sissy, and I bred her different ways every time. And somebody asked me one time why I did that. And I said, because I'm going to be the first one that they go to a trial to, and they say that one's out of Sissy instead of out of the male mm-hmm. because if i breed her to different males and she has a good one every time then that's it's her it's her yeah. and so it's it's always to me about the females and so i keep the bucks because i guess i want to be able to mix and match uh i believe a lot in uh, uncle to niece and aunt to nephew matings um i do a little bit of half brother half sister done very little mother uh to son or uh, father to daughter done very little grandpa to daughter or granddaughter or whatever but i I always want to have those options and be able to do it and see where i'm at and i want to be able to know that i'm making a good decision based on the fact that i kept something out of them before that is done good and that it has those traits i'm looking for and so uh, and, and I don't, I guess, back in the county agent days, you know, it's kind of like getting in the picture with the champions. Uh, we've had a lot of luck, and we've been very fortunate, but it wasn't about getting in the picture. It was about the relationships. It was about 
that family getting up there and they did it. I didn't do it. I was just there to help guide them. And so to me, it's the same way with having notoriety at these shows. Yeah. It's nice to be recognized. Yeah. It's good. You, you have to have some of it for advertising. So people come back and buy, but at the same time to me, it's, it's not completely about that. It's about raising good livestock, feeling good about raising good livestock. And then the relationships you gain, through this business, whether it be through livestock judging, whether it be through um, coaching livestock judging, whether it be through raising sheep or goats or hogs, but everybody in this, or, or 90% of the people in this business are good people, and that's why I believe I got into it is because of the people, yeah. and I think that's what it's all about. I've always bred kind of the middle, too. I don't swing at the fences very often. That's probably why you know a lot of times we'll have several sheep placed in the major shows i mean one time at houston we had 23 of them down there 19 of them make the sale really? you know there was like 10 of them in the top three um if we bred a different type buck that was freakier and extreme i mean we might have had one of them down there that would have won it and we probably held the other 19 to the sale barn that's just mm -hmm. my experience you know going out on a limb and breeding those edgier bucks that don't I've done it some, and every time it just seems to bite me in the butt because we we just don't get the consistency like we get lining them up and, and, and using a buck that you know works. And it's hard for me to keep a buck around that you get one great one out of and, you know, 20 pieces of crap out of. It just it doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. And you're making, because, you're making a living. You're not just trying to make one great one. You're trying to make yeah, sellable sheep. Correct. Yeah. yeah, we run about 300 ewes and... I mean, normally in a normal year, we might haul 10 to the sale barn. So um, all those sheep are consistently, you know, good. They're going to fit somewhere, at a, you know, at a county type show. I'm not saying we raise everything we raise is, you know, $5,000 ones. But, I mean, there's also, I realize I've been in it long enough. There's, there's a home for all those sheep at different price ranges. And we try to cater to people and, and figure out where their budget's at and get them the best sheep they can in their budget. You know, and sometimes I'll, I'll give some to, you know, if they're taking two or three, you know, if they've got $750 a head to spend, I might chunk a $1,500, you know, type lamb that would bring that, you know, to most everybody. I'll throw it in there, you know, because they're good customers and they come back every year. So, mm -hmm. and I, I mean, that's one thing in this business. You can't afford to make people mad, you know? Yeah, I know. So. With my husband and his dairy cattle, they won't pick a, a cow to, for a stud buck, stud bull, um, if she's, you know, not three or four generations of excellent, yeah. um, 94 points. Mm -hmm. And Joe, I mean, it was just about the same thing. He goes, I want the grand dam, you know, all the way down, four rows of genetics, I'll go back to that grandma. And no stud buck or stud sheep or bull or horse has a shitty mom. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can say you that. You can say whatever you want, Judy. <laughs> Anyways, we always had a bunch of friends come in from New Mexico, and they'd stay with us for the lamb. So we didn't we didn't change anything. You know, we didn't we didn't have a due date or expected C-section or anything like that. Just when the good Lord said it was time, we went to the hospital and had children. Yeah. But uh, anyways, uh, just like every year, we're having a good time at the barn, looking through sheep, having a few cocktails, talking about where we're going to go eat, mm -hmm. this, that, and the other. 
and uh, you know we did all that stuff and Julie's like you know I don't think I'm gonna go tonight I don't feel real well y'all just y'all just go have fun so we went to eat came back anyways everything's good we come back the next morning or got up the next morning to feed animals get ready to go to the cell out of Pat's and uh, Julie just looked at me and says it's time I was like it's time for what she says, it's time for Dawson to be born. I was like, ah, lamb cell. What, what, what? You know, I'm, I'm confused. I was like, baby lambs. I was like, I was Can you like, hold on? Hey, yeah, we got a lamb cell today. So anyways, I just told her, I said, okay, let's go. And I guess I'm a control freak. I like to be there. I like to do things a certain way. And I, I like to be on top of it. You know, and I just had a. Sorry, I just had a a peace come over me, yeah. and uh, I said, "You know what?" I said, "I've got some of my best friends in this world. I've got people that'll help me at the drop of a hat." And I said, "I'm just going to turn this over to them." Yeah. And uh, you know, I had friends offer to help. And uh, I just said, okay. You know, usually I'm like, no, that's okay. I said, yeah, y'all come help. And they were happy to do it. It's the best thing about this stock show stuff. Anything you need, anytime, the drop of a hat, they will be there for you. So they picked up the slack. I went with my wife to the hospital. I had a precious baby boy born that morning. And, uh, you know, he did have a few complications with his heart. And I'm so glad that I was there for my wife. And knowing that these guys had my back at the cell and never missed a beat. Picked the slack up. One of the better cells we've ever had. Really? The good Lord was in control. That's awesome. With a lot of good friends. How did Dawson do after that? A few heart surgeries? Or? Yeah, Dawson had some heart surgeries. We were in NICU for, for a, about a week there. And then we got home and we knew where he was going to have to have surgery. He had a, he had a hole in his heart. When he was about two months old, we, we took him to San Antonio and they had that procedure done there. It's pretty scary. Scary, yeah, it, will, it was. I mean, anytime you have a child sitting there and and uh, they have to go into surgery, you just uh, you just humble yourself and, and just pray. Yeah. So who were some of those buddies that helped you that day? Oh, gosh. Kevin Newsom was there. Uh, my friend Cody Burson from New Mexico was there. Kerry mm -hmm. Christ from New Mexico. Uh, Kerry and Cody, they used to come every year. We look forward to that every year, them coming out. And they were actually staying with us. Mm -hmm. And then Kevin came in and, heck, he took the lambs and went to the cell. And, and uh, they just got it done. Well, we, uh, we got a, this bunch of ewes from hogs. And after the first year, we had three left. Three good ones, mm -hmm. and uh, Leonard Those old Jews. The, old Jews, yeah, yeah, they were real old Jews. They were about eight years old when we bought them. So Leonard took this one ewe that produced the the best set of lambs and actually put a bell on her. And he was of the theory that you're showing people your sheep and you have three belled ewes. Those are the three that the people are going to look at. So they better be your best three looking mm -hmm. ewes. So the old bell ewe one year has a set of buck lambs. And I'm over helping Leonard dock them and castrate and all of this kind of stuff. So I pick them up and we used to hold them and they used to put a shingle that had a notch in it and then take the hot iron and cut off the tail. And uh, so Leonard was doing that 
and he pulls up the scrotum like he's going to cut it. And I said, you don't want to cut this one. And he says, well, we can't keep them all, you know. And uh, so he cuts through the scrotum. And I go, that's a Bellew's buck lamb. I thought you were going to keep him. Oh, crap. And goes in the house, stitch it up, you know. Go and get some sewing string? Or... Yeah, sewing string. <laughs> so he just, he didn't have any suture stuff, but he just took a regular uh, sewing needle and put it in there and just stitched it up and give him some penicillin and he was okay. And at that time, I bought a third of him for $1,000. And we called him Oops. Oops. And, Oops. And that was probably one of the first uh, sheep we got. So. And he worked. And he was fertile and everything. Oh, yeah. He, he was not like today. I mean, you can, you can have four buck lambs and hopefully get three of them or two of them to be yeah. fertile in their lifetime, you know. So. Because quality is what's built America. You know, I don't care if you're talking about a car or if you're talking about a shop vac or if you're talking about uh, any tool, the ones that build, build them the best, they stay. Mm -hmm. The ones that imitate them and don't put quality in their whatever they're doing, they don't stay. Well, it's, that's the same thing was going to happen here. If you took these does and, and picked the chunky ones that, that were a little butch looking and a little more like a caparta or a weather, they call them a caparta, we call them a weather. If they looked like a weather because they were chunky, well, that wasn't going to cut the, cut the mustard. These, these does had to look extremely feminine and the bucks had to look like bucks, mm -hmm. but only when they were two and three years old did those bucks start to look extremely masculine. Mm -hmm. And, and we had to have great feet and legs because all of them didn't have great feet and legs. They, they sent us a bunch of them that had bad mouths. You know, the jawbone on the bottom didn't match with their uh, lip on top. And that. so we had to battle that. And then we had some with bad udders. We had to make sure we got rid of them, and they still haven't done that. You know, the, they'd rather have the shape than to have something that can last. That's a, that's a sin, but... That's how it is. We, we have too many goats that have too bad udders. And I don't really understand that because that just increases your labor by, I mean, exponentially it increases your labor when they oh, have bad sure. udders and, and they're not doing what they're supposed to do because you got to help them. First job is to be a mom. Yeah, that's, and that's so stupid when, when you don't put that priority first. Mm -hmm. And of course, soundness is more important yet than even the femininity part. But uh, as you see, if you go to any of these uh, weather shows now, they've thrown soundness out the window. Yeah. yeah, they've totally ignored that to pretend like they have more muscle. And the sad thing is that this young bunch doesn't look at the old records. I mean, if they'll look back, the first weather that... Uh, they cut at Houston in the carcass contest with a three-inch eye came from this ranch right here. Mm -hmm. And I'd like them to look now and tell me how many three-inch eyes they've seen in the last 10 years. Yeah. And then when you open a, a, a champion's mouth and he's got two big teeth or four big teeth, well, then it's over. I mean, they're just, all they're doing is just kidding each other. Mm -hmm. But somehow they've managed to get it, you know, within their group to do the judging and convince everybody that this is all okay. Well, it isn't okay. When the wheels fall off, they're going to fall off and a bunch of them are going to take a real hard hit. Mm -hmm. They've either got to make them sound again and fix their hips 
and get them back right or, you know, why would we mess with them? I mean, I've got about 70 does out there in the pasture, and every one of them is sound, and every one of them has small tits. And I'm just waiting on the day when they've all made up their mind that they got to get back to the real world, and then I'm going to sell bucks again. I'm going to sell them like hotcakes mm -hmm. because they have no other place to turn. Nobody's worried about it. Yeah. I think um, the, the weather guys are going in the direction of we're going to raise the ones that win. And if this kind wins, you know, you're just like capitalism. We're going to raise that kind, and we're going to worry about that stuff that those guys worry about. Where did you see the boar goats kind of start to lean that direction? Well, as soon as they put that, those myotonic goats into the system, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that did it right there. Drop the, the tails down there where their scrotum was supposed to be. That's where their tail is now. They're straightening their shoulder up front. They can't travel on either end, front or rear. Mm -hmm. And then their hip is so steep, they, I mean, there's no way to get any functionality out there. And the pelvic bone is the most important bone in the whole body of anything. Everything hinges off of that. You go down to the foot and the hind leg, and you go out to his nose from the front of that pelvis as you follow his spine. Everything hinges off the pelvic bone. Mm -hmm. And so if, if that thing isn't sitting in there at the right angle, everything else can't work can't function what is the right angle of their pelvic well, well you know if, if you look at a goat his tail head can, they can't be dead level that's not they were never supposed to be dead level they are that uh where their pin bones is it ought to be an inch or so lower than where their hook bone i mean their front of their pelvis is and the reason for that is it, that I say it can't be level is a goat is supposed to eat 50% of the time over his head. So he has to be able to rock back, get his hocks under him, and stand up and eat in a tree. And not eat one leaf, but eat 10 or 20 leaves before he comes back down to the ground. Well, if their hip is at a 45-degree angle to start with, the first thing is he can't even leap up there. He can't, he, he can't spring off his front feet and get up and down. And if he gets up and down, he's going to fall on his head. He's going to fall over backwards because he doesn't have the ability to flex and stay up there in that tree. So that's just a joke. We had a, we had a buck here a few years ago, and I called him Rimfire. And I wanted him to stay in the pen one day, and I, so I drove the pickup up in front of him. And he jumped over the hood of the pickup and landed on the other side and never touched anything and now these billy goats that these kids have now they, they can't even stand up on the hood they can't get their <laughs> they can't get their front feet on the hood of the pickup much less have run over there and jumped all the way over the front of that truck mm -hmm. that's a joke and if you'll go to their house and they call the goats in the last one to come in is a buck he's in the back He's so hobbled and so stiff and so screwed up, he can't come in. I mean, he's just damn lucky to get to the house, but all of them are raising them in a little trap or a little pen. They don't have them out here in a pasture. Well, they'd never live. If, if they threw them in a pasture, it'd be three days, and they wouldn't have to worry about it. They don't have to feed them. So they don't, they're not taxed. They don't have to do anything. So, you know, I guess they don't have to have good feet and legs. If all they got to do is lay in the corner. You said you're, you're a gambler. Yes. I like to take risks. Yes. I mean, would you go and buy a buck that is not related at all to your use as long oh, as he yeah. looked? Yeah, no doubt. Really? No doubt. 
Yeah, not a problem. So this might sound crazy or, or dumb, but I just kind of been thinking about something like, I mean, people breed like line genotype line breeding, you know, breed uh-huh. families back to each other and cousins, yep. uncles. Yep. Is there anything to maybe like phenotypically line breeding, like breeding a sheep that looks a certain way to another sheep that looks a certain way for generations without much common ancestry? I, I have done that a lot over the years, mm-hmm. and I like it. It works? Yeah, maybe? it works good. I think as long as you've got some consistency in those lines, I think that you can line them up. And, and probably I'm probably more apt to do that, mm-hmm. to line them up phenotypically. But, um, but if you can still line it up with a little bit of predictability, I think it helps. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so many different philosophies about making sheep. I mean, some people you know, do what you just said. Some people just take a group of 100 exotic crazy looking use and bring them to a little tiny thick midget and just and just hope it works out are you kind of anti that or just consistency? we don't do a lot of that yeah. we, we really try to do consistency mm-hmm. um like even in the donor pen you'll see some different kinds and different types but um um i've always had kind of a type of sheep i like and um i'm very very lucky right now because those kind of sheep are fairly popular. Mm-hmm. So we've lived through some sheep that were popular that, that are not my kind. Mm-hmm. But um, but right now, things are really have worked out good that the industry and the people, what they're seeking and stuff like that. We've always been really critical on front ends, mm-hmm. uh, tall fronted, shallow, um, sheep that are good looking. Um, probably my two pet peeves are front ends and hip structure. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're, when you're talking about selling all of your ewe lambs except for five what splits those hairs what 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 do those five look like or what do they have to look like just to stay here you think that was the toughest decision i I had a hard time getting to 15 and then i got to 15 and then i had to get to five um but you families Mm -hmm. really come down to the deciding factor yeah we actually it's kind of crazy we kept uh two sets of full sibs and um they were two flesh mates um two of them are huckleberry bravos and then two of them are uh rank on giselle giselle's kind of my favorite donor and then the other you is a line bred bravo and um but all three of them were out of bravo i mean uh, all three of them are out of donor use mm-hmm. and uh, it was tough it was it was tough i mean it was tough getting to five yeah were those five that Maybe those you families you were just in love with, were those the best looking five too? Or? There was probably a few individuals that was as good or better looking. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I had to narrow it down, I had to narrow it down to you families. And um, But um, one of the U's, and then those five U's went into the donor pen. They're, they'll be going into the donor pen this fall. Where did that come into place? Where did, where did you just say, okay, I'm going to make them look like this? Because, I mean, still today, your goats, you know, they have a very distinct look compared to everyone else's. Thank you. And I've always, uh, working with Jamie, uh, I've always wanted my goats or anybody that we're working with, their goats, to look different. Because when you get into those bigger shows, you know, and there's 100, 150 in a class, or 10 in a class, doesn't make any difference. If you look different then you're going to get that look and then you're going to get a little extra attention when the judge comes by again. And I really, where that started and how I wanted that, uh, it goes back, I guess, to a lot of the guys that I mentioned at the beginning Mm -hmm. because those guys wanted to change livestock to meet 
what their vision was. Uh, and we were talking about it before. I don't think a, there's a gentleman that can change livestock faster than Norman Coles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy can change. He has a vision that he wants to do this. He knows how to do it, and it'll get done pretty darn fast. Uh, he has that knack. Um, and that's where that was kind of the people that mentored me, officially or unofficially. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to do is to create something different. And being able to do that, looking at what we started with, and what we have now, very proud of, very proud of. You know, the goats that uh, Jamie and I have with Blue Team Weathers, uh, and I'm glad you said that, and I, I feel the same way too. They don't look like anybody else's, no. and I don't want them to. Mm-hmm. And that way, and I've always uh, told some people this is funny you mentioned J- Judy Kay early on when I would send some weathers out there. Uh, I told her, I said, you know, you're either going to be first or third because mm-hmm. they won't know what to do with you. They're going to love them and say, my gosh, this is so much different. This is the best one here. Or you'll be third where they don't have to fool with you for the grand drive. Mm-hmm. And that happened real frequent, <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. real frequent, because that was a, a new market and uh, just starting to show there and stuff. And it had a lot of growing pains, but, and still today though, I mean, our goats are different and I want them to be different. Yeah. What is the most athletic animal that God created whole planet to you? Well, I might have to think, think, Oh, I know. No, I, I, I don't have to think about it. It's, it's the polar bear. Without a doubt in my mind, it's the polar bear. Because if you take a gander at him and you watch him on National Geographic and he's living on ice, <laughs> he is making his living where I don't even want to go, I don't even want to go visit. Mm-hmm. And he's making his living there. And he's got a butt as big as a rhinoceros. He's got humongous feet. He's, and yet his shoulders blend right into his rib cage and his belly looks like a tub and his neck is three feet long and his head sitting out on the end of that so that he is agile and quick and he can look and he can think and he can do anything he wants to yeah there's nothing nothing was ever designed like that and you got to think about it if he wasn't designed so cleverly he couldn't survive there wouldn't be a damn polar bear anywhere they they'd be in those uh prehistoric museums that we have the museum of natural history it have a polar bear in it because we wouldn't have any but he's made so perfect that he can hunt a seal through a hole in the ice he can dive in the water and go get something and he can come up and eat it i mean he can he can swim he can swim like a rocket it's just unbelievable what what they are. So the yeah, I don't. I had to think a minute. I, I, I see the picture in my mind, and then I have to think about it till I can see the picture. But it's a polar bear. Mm-hmm. Nothing compares. There, no, there's nothing like it. And tell me where his feet are. His hind feet are forward of his of his cannon bone. Then he flex. He's got so much flexibility. Mm-hmm. And you see him on those hunting shows, and they turn. 
they turn a whole set of sled dogs loose to chase this bear to corner him so they can get up there and shoot him with a bow and arrow or something. And that polar bear runs for five miles before them dogs catch up. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, that's an athlete. Yeah, he's been out there all day, and them, them sled dogs, they've been messing around. You know, they slept all night, and this guy's been hunting for food all night, and now it's, he's got the chase on, and he just runs their butt off. So pretty exciting. Beautiful creation. Well, that is uh, all of, that we have for a little uh, First 15 compilation there. One of my favorite parts of, you know, going back and listening to those, now that there's, you know, a f- few more than just a couple, is, you know, I liked how those stories kind of started to come together. You know, a lot of those people talk about similar names that, that got them into it, you know, whether it's on the sheep side or the goat side. I mean, the sheep side, over and over again, we hear about the, the cabinets and Harold crosses uh, that kind of got the, the weather sheep started and, and really were the first consistent cross that a lot of those people were making. Um, you know, in David Garrett's, you know, the first episode that we have, I think he really laid a good sheep foundation for us. I, I think he talked a lot about those early days of the club lambs when they were just trying to make one that looked uh, consistent. And, and just the stuff they were breeding for then, um, it's a little bit different than what we're breeding for now, but it's it's just a really cool perspective. Oh, we just take a step back and, and see how it was at once and how the, those ideas that they had and breeding systems and how they wanted those sheep to look you know, if you kind of look at the whole industry there in the last 30 years, it's kind of an endless cycle, and it all kind of comes back to the same thing. For a few years, they go they go one direction, and they go a little bit too far that direction, and they need to bring them back, and it always kind of comes back to the center, and always uh, those basic, just good livestock traits that we can find in sheep. Uh, I think the people that, you know, stayed the closest to that over the longest period of time are the, are the ones that we're hearing about the most. Uh, I think they're the guys that are have not only been in business the longest, um, but they're the guys that are the most successful. And I think that has something definitely to do with their success and, and their mindset is, you know, basically consistency and, and quality is going to keep them on top. And I think their, you know, you know, their consistency to that ideal is, is what's kept them around uh, just for so long. And even into the goats, I mean, there's the goats have not been around nearly as long as the sheep, but if you really trace it back and all these stories and, and which bucks came from where, the family tree is not very big in terms of these goats. And, and the guys who started it and the most influential ones, man, we hear their names in every single goat episode, it seems like. Um, and, they're, and, and it's just exciting to see um, you know, where the goat industry is going. I think they all kind of had their projections, uh, but we don't really know, you know how it's going to go or, or who's going to be at the top in five years. And, and I think uh, there's an old George... I think it's George Washington, a uh, quote that I've always, like, when I heard it in high school, I never really forgot it, and I always thought it was really important. And it says, those who study the past will have the the best idea of what the future is going to be like. I think I butchered it slightly, but but that was, that, that, that whole idea just always kind of stuck with me. I don't think um, enough people pay attention to the past, and especially, you know, with our industry, there's always new people getting involved and, and trying to raise really good ones. And I think they, they really just can save themselves a lot of time and money if they just, you know, pay attention to what's been done and what's worked and when what hasn't and, and learn from those guys. Uh, I mean, there's people in our industry that are, that are here um, and they're not here forever. And I think um, the, sh- the wealth of knowledge that exists uh, needs to be tapped into a lot more. And, I, and that's kind of what really excited to me 
really excited me about doing a podcast and, and doing this and putting this kind of content out there is is making that knowledge known and, and, and spreading it out and, and making sure people have access to it because I, I just think it's really exciting um, the amount of things you can learn from people and I think you know like we said earlier that what you take with a grain of salt and what you carry and what you um, actually put into practice is up to you but I think um, I think if you're not learning from some of these guys and you're not uh, maybe humbling yourselves and, and, and being open to new ideas, I think you're kind of, uh, some of this content might be going in one ear and out the other, but uh, I just think it, the, the, the fact that this content is, is public and, and these guys are so raw and they're telling their stories and they're, and they're describing their mindsets and, and why they did certain things is really cool um, you know, and exciting. Uh, but there you have it. I uh, hope you like it. We're going to have a new episode next week. We're going to have some ads in there. And like I said, we're going to sound just a little bit better on the mic for you guys. Uh, but other than that, um, Bear Media, uh, we've maybe talked about it a couple times before, but that is the company uh, that we run Legendary Mindset through. Uh, Cannon Brown is our uh, owner, and his podcast is through there. The Keeper Pen with Maddie Caldwell and Jenna Wheeler is through there. We have a new one, a uh, new cattle podcast with Jake Scott. Uh, called the Cattle Pros, and we're just kind of a, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, we're just a, I don't even know what the word is, uh, just a group of people, uh, kind of just a media source is what Bear Media is, and we're going to we're gonna keep growing, we're going to build a website soon, and we're going to have a lot more media on there, we're going to have our podcasts, we're going to have some blogs, and everything, uh, but we've, we're pretty excited about the group of uh, podcasts we have, we have a lot, very diverse content. Um, not a single one of us is the same. Uh, we all kind of bounce ideas off of each other at the end of the day, and uh, we, we work together, but, but our content is different. We have different, uh, different listeners out there, and we kind of just want a little bit of everything for, uh, for everybody. Uh, but you guys are going to want to check out Cannon Brown's episode this week. He, uh, he, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to spoil it, but he got Aaron Watson. Um, maybe not a livestock guy, but he's a country music guy. And that is in just not only an incredible guest to have on, but um, I heard it, and it is incredible. The guy gets extremely raw, extremely emotional, uh, doesn't hold anything back, and he's an extremely successful uh, t uh, country music artist. And I think no matter what your walk of life is, what your profession is, I think the attitude and your approach to what you do makes every person, can make anyone successful. And I think uh, there's, there's only something you can take. Uh, from a podcast like that, um, but check it out. It's really cool, and uh, it's one of my favorites, but I'll see you guys next week.